Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hello, welcome to another episode of ITIC Insight. I'm Adonio Sviriotis, underwriter for ITIC. I'm joined by Nikki Sayer of Casper Shipping. Hello, Antonius. So we're here to discuss all the Brexit-induced changes in the custom clearance process, of which Casper has plenty, being by the River Tees, and all the related ports, as well as acting as a nationwide agency. So, Nikki, where have you seen the biggest impact of Brexit in your day-to-day? Hello, Antonios. So up to the end of 2020, there was a lot of changes. It was on and it was off. From the beginning of 2021, we saw a massive increase in the volume of declarations because previous to that, we'd only ever done a custom clearance for anything outside of the EU, i.e. the rest of the world. We were doing around 4,000 customs clearances per annum. From the start of 2021, we went up and increased our volume by 947%, the amount of customs declarations that we're doing, because obviously everything that now came from the EU needed a piece of paper, a customs declaration. How we implemented that within the business was we didn't want to have to employ a a huge amount of people to do it manually. Our strategy was that we were going to look at automation. So we wanted to automate a very traditional manual way of processing the customs declarations. Unfortunately, there didn't seem to be anything out there that we could just purchase and adapt accordingly. So we did it ourselves. One of my colleagues, Alan Appleyard, who's very clever, the IT guy, um, worked with our software provider and did all the data entering and all of that good stuff. And we can now automate our process, which means we only have employed about 10 new people, customs staff, no, no previous experience in customs um, because those, that type of skill has never been required before and we've trained them all from scratch. So for all, we've had the massive increase in volume. We have employed about 10 people to look after that purely because of the automation. So we've doubled up what the operator can now put out. The chip, which is obviously much easier for us, we can turn a customs declaration around in about one hour now where because of the automation. And I don't know if that happens with a lot of other businesses because they're all doing it manually. Obviously, it eradicates the errors, which is is the big thing because it's just moving of data. We've actually changed two of our operators from the traditional to the new guys from what would have been a traditional customs operator. They're now data analysts. So it's all about analysing of data rather than knowing customs, really, if I'm honest, and entering that information in all the different boxes. So the changes that came in, obviously, the changes in in Jan 21 were that the customs declaration was required for everything that came in. There's been more changes in Jan 22 with about around foodstuffs and and, and the the additional licenses and certification that's required when that comes in. There's going to be further changes in July 22, all around safety and security. So before a container, a box, a truck can leave the EU, we have to do another declaration so that the HMRC can decide whether they want it to come to the UK or not. So there's constantly changes all the time. Oh, and on top of that, they're changing the government's custom system, which is now called Chief, and introducing a brand new one called Customs Declaration Service, CDS. So that'll bring with it its own challenges as well. So for the customs operator, lots of changes, a massive impact on the business, obviously due to the the amount of volume, but, you know, there's the profit and the revenue that comes with that as well. So... It's been worth it, I must say. 
Yeah, can't complain. Of course, with uh, the extra revenue comes uh, some mm. risk. Yeah. So from the liability side, where do you did you see any need to uh, tighten your processes? Mm-hmm. What has changed? Where do you see exposure? So we would traditionally always use due diligence when it comes to checking the information. We would never just take what the customer's telling us at face value. We have to see the supporting documents. So they're saying this, the goods are worth £2,000, we need to see the actual commercial invoice that proves that there were £2,000. One of the big things, we as the customer agent processes the information that the customer sends us and the system, us, gives out what the duty and the VAT value is for that. Now, in order for the system to work out what the duty and VAT value is, they have to use the commodity code. So a 10-digit code from the UK trade tariff that then determines uh, what that that predefined duty and VAT. VAT is usually 20%. It can be Z-rated if it's children's clothes and food. But yeah, so regardless of a trade agreement between whichever country in the UK, there could be duty that's due. Now, that's based on the commodity code and the origin of the goods. So we can never determine what that commodity code is. A customer might come to us and say, oh, we have no idea. We just point them in the, dire- in the direction of the tariff and say, look, there's the link, work your way through it and tell us what the commodity code is. So that's a big, it's not a risk because we would never do it, but if they gave us the wrong one, we can only go what the customer tells us. We would never tell them what it was because then we could be liable We've said it's zero duty when really that customer should have been paying 6% on those goods all this time. So they could come after us for that. Obviously, we need to, like I say, check check the information that we're given as much as we can, really. We should always get supporting documents with uh, an instruction so we can go on that. There's another another change because of Brexit, which means that a, a non-UK established business cannot be the importer of record on a customs declaration. Now, obviously, for those businesses based in the EU that pre-Brexit were always down as the importer of record, that changed. What that then meant was that we were asked to be an indirect representative. We would always usually be a direct representative, which means we are not joint and severally liable. Now, they were asking us then to be an indirect representative, which means we were joint and severally liable. We were told by the likes of Biffer and everything that we shouldn't do it. Don't you know? We don't want to be joint and severally liable. However, we, we, we sort of had to find a way through that because it was such a block for all the EU businesses they wouldn't be able to trade. So obviously with the help of ITIC that we came up with an indemnity clause in there that would protect us from obviously any claims that would come up from that. There are other requirements that we've been asked post-Brexit, such as being a fiscal representative when a EU business can't can't obviously be VAT registered in the UK, so they're claiming VAT back. But that's an area that we, we decided not to go down. It's it's pretty new. So the rules and there's no previous cases of what could come out of that. So we decided against that. Speaking of rules and precedent, you are, as you said, there is the pitfall that you could accidentally be acting as a consultant because mm. of... Uh, mm because of HMRC's guidance on occasion not being clear. Mm. Is there any uh, feedback you are giving to HMRC, any cooperation going on to try and uh, make the process a bit better for everyone? Yeah, and the, the, the lines of communication with HMRC are, are very difficult. You can't really ring them anymore. 
We have good contacts with the likes of Biffa, our software, custom software provider. Fortunately, HMRC has had a huge changeover in staff as well. So a lot of the experienced people aren't there anymore. So you can just try and email out, unfortunately. We do have an issue at the moment around the, the changes in the foodstuffs. So it's very frustrating. It's very difficult to get to speak to somebody to give us exact guidance on what we're supposed to do. We don't just try and what what I've done through the whole Brexit change is interpret what the HMRC guidelines are because they'll just send a raft of information on the gov.uk website and expect everybody to understand it. What I've done for our, our customers is look at that, read it and interpret it in layman's terms for them. As long as I understand it correctly, then then it's okay, which I, I'm sure I have done. I will always send them the links as well. You know, this is what I think you should be doing. This is the link you should be looking at. But it is very difficult to get to speak to anybody within HMRC for ex- And it's been really, that's probably been the hardest thing through, through Brexit. They send out some guidance. It's just the bare bones of it. There's no specific detail on what as a customs agent, we're supposed to be doing. And then when you go and try and ask them a question, they'll just send you the link to the gov.uk website again. So, yeah, it's it's an area that's very difficult. Thanks for that, uh, Nikki. I also understand that the post-Brexit, several UK ports are getting free port status. And Casper is one of the very early collaborators uh, with the UK government uh, to get the project through. Uh, would you like to talk to us about this? Yes, Freeport's been really exciting. Just as we got Brexit up and running, time for the next major project, which was Freeport. So the Teesside Freeport bid went in and they were successful, one of the eight in the UK to be successfully given the opportunity to prove themselves to be a Freeport. Through collaboration with Casper and some um, authorisation that we had, we managed to set up the primary custom zone down there as the first ever primary custom zone that went live in the UK. Casper were appointed the first ever customs site operator, which was really, really good for us. Not that it's a problem, but the thing is, there's nothing really down there at the moment. It's a brownfield site, four and a half thousand acres of, of reclaimed land that was the British steel industry down in, in, in Redka there. So, but, but we had to sort of build it and then they will come. So, so yeah, we, we got uh, the authorisation for that just before Christmas. And obviously there's a big push on now to get the businesses over there. There's plenty of, plenty of things happen, happening in the Tees Valley. So it's all really exciting. But from a liability point of view, the designation orders, which have been, it's just a statutory instrument, which is written in law, has named Casper as the responsible party for the primary custom zone. Now, it lists a whole raft of responsibilities that we do cover from the safety and security element, making sure that anything that comes into the free part should be in there, that it's that it's manifested correctly, and that if it leaves, all the security around it. So there is a big onus on us to ensure that we do it correctly. Obviously, at the moment, there's nothing there. So I think from a insurance point of view, it's a bit like, well, do you want to insure us? But we don't know how it's going to end up, really. We don't know how it's going to pan out or how anything's going to be seen. So, But we had to get everything in order, in order for them to, to, to be given the go-ahead. So we shall see. We're, we're pretty confident that we can cover all the responsibilities on there. There's nothing there to be responsible for at the moment, so because, which is good because as it'll come in small to start with and then it grows, we can just take each step as it goes, really. So, yeah, because of what we've done down there, 
the the director of the Freeport and ourselves are pretty much working alongside with the government in order to to see how how the rules are going to work and how the whole process is going to work. So it's good to be in with them collaborating on the guidance and on, on the futures of the free parts and what they're going to need. Yeah, so you will have the first mover advantage and uh, you are in the fortunate position where you can steer things yes. in the right direction so that the government has uh, input from someone who will actually be doing the business yeah, on yeah. the ground. Yeah. Have you seen any potential uh, growth opportunities? Have any other parties shown interest? Do you see this being a major factor in the development of the UK? Yeah, definitely. There's Because of the land that there, because of the particular situation that we have at Teesworks, where there's so much land and it's been reclaimed, there's, there's many businesses that have shown interest. You know, GE are, are there, are coming. More, only one in the world, I believe, carbon capture plant. BP have talked about make, making hydrogen down there. So, so there's lots of interest and it's just perfect that it is a free port, really. I think it's really aiding the decisions that these businesses are making possibly because of obviously the benefits that you can get from the free part which are the obviously you don't pay duty in vat when it comes in you can store it there indefinitely you can put it into a processing situation so depending on what it's made into determines what the duty is and um, you can get lots of tax breaks as well on the on the business if you set up there for, 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 the, for the staff that work in the company as well so there's a lot of benefits why people might want to want to come as well as you know the perfect geographical location of the site as well uh, thank you very much, Nikki, for taking the time to talk to us. It is uh, all constantly developing. We will stay tuned. We will ask you if we need any updates. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, thanks uh, very much. No problem. Nice to speak to you, Antonio. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Itic Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts.